Welcome to Resurrection Church Podcast. We are honored you are here. Without any further delay, here's the word. Right in the middle of our 21-day Daniel fast. And uh, uh, I am encouraged, I hope you are, and I hope you're participating in the Daniel fast. Remember, it's just, it's real simple, no meats, no sweets. And then we're, we have a, a drop-in prayer on Tuesdays from 5.30 to 7 and Thursdays at 5.30 to 7. And then on Wednesdays, we're asking that everyone do a full day's fasting, whatever, a full days of a full fast, whatever that looks like to you as we participate in. My wife and I have been encouraged. I feel, I feel spiritually stronger. How, anybody else know what I'm talking about? And, you know, and it's more, it's more than just limiting what we eat and how we eat. It's the idea that we're focusing for change in our lives so that we can get closer to the Lord. So it's really, really exciting to be in this season uh, of the year. And we do this routinely. We've done it for a number of years. Today, we're going to stay on that same thing, as you can tell by the video. And today, I want to talk to you about, you know, we're calling ourselves fire chasers. Well, you know, what that means is, is that we've got to chase the fire of God. That means we've got to put aside our own little things and break away from the routine so that we can get closer to the Lord. Because, you know, most of us in this room at some time in our lives, we've been dissatisfied with our walk with the Lord, haven't we? We've had, you know, we've had times when uh, we just seemed like we were lacking the connectivity to, to, to the Lord. And, and we have a hunger for Jesus, but we're not quite sure how to fulfill that hungering that's inside of us. We're looking for improvement in our lives, but we're really not quite sure how to make those improvements. That's what fasting and praying is all about. You know, but I've discovered, you know, when you finally get desperate enough, we will make the changes. And when we finally get desperate enough to say, God, I've got to have you, Jesus, you've got to be the center of my life. That's all I want. When we get that serious, I believe the Lord will move into our lives in a new and a fresh way. Because, you know, sometimes it's good to get fed up. And, you know, we get fed up with ourselves. You know, Have you noticed that when God answers prayer, He doesn't necessarily change the situation as much as He changes us in the situation. It's all about that. So today we're going to chase the fire. Tell yourself, I'm chasing the fire of God. And today I want to emphasize as we go into the scriptures in 1 Kings chapter 18. So you can turn there. We'll be going to two places today. 1 Kings chapter 18 and then also Acts chapter 4. We're going to read uh, some uh, from that in, from the New Testament also. Because I want to talk to you today about if we're going to chase the fire, there's some key ingredients that we need to be aware of so that we, we can get to this point where when we, that we are on fire for God. It has to do with prayer and the right timing. Prayer in the right timing. And when we, when we get prayer in the right timing to meet 
that's when the fire of God falls on our lives. Because I discovered in this text that God answers by fire. Mm -hmm. Are you there in 1 Kings chapter 18? Let's look at a couple of verses, beginning in verse 17. Now, this is a story of Elijah and his uh, contentious counterpart, Ahab, and Jezebel. And Elijah has called for a drought to come. He stopped the rain because God told him to. And so Elijah decides it's time to meet up with Ahab. And that's where the story is picked up. And it says in verse 17, And Ahab saw Elijah. Ahab said to him, Is this you, you troubler of Israel? And he said, I have not troubled Israel, Israel, but you and your father's house have because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed after Baal. Mm -hmm. Now, then send and gather to me in Israel at, Mac, at Mount Carmel together with 450 prophets of Baal, actually it's Baal, Baal, and 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent a, mess, sent mess, a message among the sons of Israel that, and, brought, and the, brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. Why? We just talked about it. If you don't say something, you're in agreement with it. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet for the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now let them give us two oxen and let them choose one ox for themselves and cut it up and place it on the wood, but put no water, put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other and lay it on the wood, and I will not put any fire under it. Then he called upon the name of, the, and then you will call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people said, oh, that's a good idea. Well, they did that, and Elijah actually took his sacrifice, and he poured water all over the sacrifice in the wood, and then he called upon the Lord. And we know the story. When he called upon the Lord, the Lord sent fire and, poosh, and consumed his sacrifice. But the, 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 boy, the, the other false prophets, they danced, they sang, they shouted, they cut themselves. They made a mockery of themselves, and they couldn't get the fire to come. But when, when Elijah did a couple of simple things, then the fire of God fell on his sacrifice. You see, God and fire are synonymous. Think about the burning bush with Moses. How did he meet the Lord? In the fire. Uh, we know like in, with the Israelites when they were coming out of Egypt. The Bible says that, that there was a cloud by day 
and there was fire by night so they could follow the fire even at night in their marching so that they would get to the place that God had designated for them. So God leads by fire. So if you see fire, I suspect that God is really close by. Look at the person beside you and say, do I look like a burning bush to you? <laughs> well, if not, you will be. Now, let's look, at, let's look at this briefly. I've got so much that I could talk about, and I've got to really work it down. But let's go back to verse 23 of that chapter. No, 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 no. Hold the plate. I'm getting ahead of myself. Now, put, put your finger on your cell phone right there and hold that spot. We want to go over. Yeah, yeah you can do that, right? You, you, didn't, you didn't get it. All right, go to Acts chapter 4. Verse 23. Now, this is the story of Peter and John. Peter and John had gone to the temple, and there was a beggar there. And uh, they raised him up, and he was instantly healed, and thousands of people got saved. Well, don't you know, when God is on the move, people get in trouble. So uh, Peter and John were arrested, and they were thrown in jail. But an angel came and let them out. And they went back to their people. And so that's where the story picks up here after this unbelievable miracle. And in verse 23 it says, And when they heard that they had been released, they went their own way to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, O oh Lord, it is you who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and, and all that's in them, whom by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father David said, Why do the Gentiles rage? And so on. So they actually prayed this prayer. But I want to go down and look at what, they, what their prayer contained here. It says in here, in verse 20, to do whatever your hand and what your purpose is predestined to do. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they, were where they had gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. Now you'll see how these two come together concerning the fire of God. But let's go back now to Elijah and his experience here. In verse 23, he says now, he gives an explanation to all the, the Baal prophets and the Asherah prophets. And he says, here's what I want you to do. Pick out one of the ox and then put it on Put, put it on the, cut it up and put it on the sacrifice, sacrificial table. And he said, I'm going to do the same thing. And then the God who answers by fire is the true God. Now, think about this, first of all. Think about anything in the Old Testament and all the sacrifices that are mentioned in the New Testament about the Old Testament. Sacrifices always had to do, well, excuse me, a sacrifice was not a sacrifice unless it was sacrificed with fire. You can't have a sacrifice without fire. So we can say 
we're giving our lives to the Lord every day. But until there's fire, there'll be no sacrifice. So what we need to do is say, Lord, send the fire so I can be the sacrifice you want me to be. Are you with me? Because the fire and God are synonymous. So the fire consumed the sacrifice that Elijah gave. You see, fire was never the issue, but sacrifice, excuse me, see if I can say this right. Fire was never the issue. It was the having the proper sacrifice for God. In other words, without fire, there's no sacrifice. That's why Elijah was calling down fire. In other words, the sacrifice, like you and I, had to be perfect. But I, want to, I really want to focus on one specific thing because if you, if you read this verse again, let's read it again and read it very slowly in verse 23. Now let them give us two oxen and let them choose one ox for themselves and cut it up and place it on the wood. But put no water, no fire under it. And I will prepare the other ox and lay it on the wood and I will not put fire under it. Now, if you read that just casually, you, 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 you'll miss the point. This is what Elijah asked them. He says, take this ox and cut it up and place it on the wood. But Elijah says it this way about himself. He says, then I will prepare the other ox and I will lay it. On the wood. Those words are entirely different. What Elijah tells them to do is different from what he was going to do. And this is the reason that the sacrifice was acceptable to God and the fire came on Elijah's sacrifice. It makes it very. See, the priests were instructed to cut up the sacrifice that means to dismember to hew into pieces in other words he's saying boys take your sacrifice and just chop it up any old way do what you want to with it but when Elijah says he's going to do his sacrifice it's the word he used in preparing meant he it comes from the from the thought of he was administering he was carefully observing he was celebrating he was thoroughly dealing with he was thoughtfully prepared do you see the difference the Baal priest just chopped up some meat and threw it on the on the table but Elijah took the time to dismember the sacrifice from joint to joint to joint as God commanded. In other words, he was, he was doing what God had told the people to do when they gave a sacrifice. So he was thoroughly thoughtful, thoroughly uh, uh, convinced, and had prepared. So when he put it on there, he just didn't throw it on there like, a, like a, a, a butcher would do with a piece of meat on a chopping block. 
And that's what the, the priests were doing. They just threw it on there, and, and they expected their God to show up. But no, Elijah properly took the time, thought his way through the process, prepared it, set it, set it, or cut it apart exactly as God had asked for it to be in the beginning when he established the sacrifices. And then the Bible says, and he placed it on the altar. That means he purposely put different pieces at different places on that sacrificial altar. So you see the difference between the two? Elijah was thinking about it, and bless her heart, the Baal boys, no, bless her heart, the Baal boys, the Baal boys, the Baal boys just totally messed up. So the point is this, is that if you're going, if you're going to be a sacrifice for God, you've got to think your way through, you've got to do it the right way. You just don't throw yourself on the altar of God any old way and say, here I am, Lord, take me with my smoking. Here I am, Lord, take me with my cussing. No, 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 no. If you're a believer, no, you've, you've, got to, you've got to sever that sacrifice up the right way. You've got to cut off those things. Mm. You've got to cut off those things in your life that would, that would disqualify you being the actual sacrifice. In other words, this has got to be done the right way. So this is something, and you know, you know this is why you see people come to the altar and, quote, get saved, and they slobber and all over the carpet and they cry and weep, but they don't go back changed. It's because they didn't come up with being fully prepared, saying, God, this is the, what I have is all I've got, but here I am. I'm your sacrifice today. And giving yourself that way, that's how we obtain the fire of God. We just can't approach God any old way. But anyway, anybody in here want to acquire the fire? I want it. How about you? So, in verses 36 30 through 38, I'm going to read those. It says, at the, now this is, the, this is how Elijah got the fire to fall. He did what he was supposed to do. And then it says, at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Israel, today... Let it be known to you that you are the God of Israel, and I am your servant, and I have done these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you, are, you have turned their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones, wow, and the dust, and licked up the water that was, all in, that was in the trench. Now notice what Elijah did. Elijah prayed. If we want the fire of God, we have to pray. Now, I want to thank all of you who, have, who participated uh, this past week in our drop-in prayer. Thank you so much for being a part of that. But I, now I want to talk to the other 95% who didn't come. I want to talk to you, family. You'll let me preach to you and teach you, but you won't let me lead you like we were talking about earlier. When we call for prayer as a family, we ought to show up. If you want the fire of God, you're going to have to get out of the box and do something different. And all we're asking you to do, just it's a drop-in. You don't have to stay for an hour and a half. But just to say you live 20 minutes away. 
So it takes you 40 minutes of driving, and you're here 40 minutes. So for, so for a little over an hour, an hour and 10 minutes, you're going to give, if you'll just give an hour and 10 minutes to prayer with the rest of us, I believe the fire of God will fall on you. I'm fussing to, to, excuse me if you're new, but this is family talk. When we call for prayer, church, let's do it. It isn't, see, this is what, see, now see, see what, what, what you've done is you went halfway. You, you, you're doing the fasting part and maybe a little praying, but there's an important part is, is how you pray and when you pray. Because it says in here, at the time of the, the offering of the evening sacrifice. So it's, it has to be timed. Now, as your pastor, I'm called to set that time. But there has to be a set time where you pray. So he, gave, so he just didn't give his sacrificial offering any old time. He did it at the set time that God says in the evening when that's when the sacrifice, sacrificial prayer, the sacrificial burning was to take place was that late evening sacrifice. So he waited until the timing was right. And so that's what you and I do. So that's what we've got to do in our lives. In other words, if we're going to be the sacrifice, we've got to take the time. Tell someone, just take the time. Please, just take the time to pray. You know, fasting is good, and you may lose a couple of pounds, and it makes us feel better because we've fasted. But my friends, we need to also pray, don't we? We need to pray. You say, well, and I know, of course, there's, there, everyone in here has absolutely no needs whatsoever. No. No, we need to pray about that. So that, that leads us to the text in, in Acts chapter 2 as I wrap this thing up, or Acts chapter 4 as we wrap this up. I want to go back and look at that because it is important to know how we pray. Because you know what? A lot of believers don't know how to pray. So we see that Elijah did it with the right timing. And in, in Acts 24, uh, chapter 4, verse 29, as we were reading it, and they said, now, Lord, hear the threats and grant your bondservants to speak that they may speak your word with confidence. Number two, and when we're praying, we need, we need to be totally and completely yielded. Now, sometimes, have you ever gone into prayer and the Holy Spirit says, uh, you need to take care of this first? Or, you know, you'll have that little check inside of you. And so you can't really... Get into it until you deal with it, kind of thing. This is so important. That's why, as Christians, that's why the Holy one of the reasons the Holy Spirit is so awesome in our lives is that He checks us so that when we come to the Lord, because see, God doesn't want to listen to trash. He wants to, he'll, he, he's, he's looking for a holy vessel. And so we have to be yielded. Say, yielded with me. Now, that may look different for different for people, but we've got to be yielded. It's got to be timed right, and it's got to be yielded. We need to yield. That means, you know what, when we yield, that means we're going to have to do something that we don't want to do. And that's where our problem is, because we like doing what we do. But there's sometimes the Lord says, no, I don't want you to do that anymore. And that's being yielded. Ask, the, ask two people, say, are you yielded this morning? So we've got to have timing and we've got to be yielded. The third thing you've got to do when you're seeking the fire of God, notice they didn't, they didn't pray all this stuff. 
Have you ever been in a prayer circle where you almost fall asleep because they're praying for they're praying for absolutely every little detail of every Lord? Don't let that leaf fall off that tree. Oh Lord, let that cloud pass over the sun so I'm not so hot. And we and we pray we pray our story. And we, but we never get to the real issue. Anybody, we've all done this, haven't we? Especially when we're in a quote, one of those prayer circles. No, what you've got to do, if you're going to get the fire of God, you've got to be very, very specific in your approach as to what you're asking the Lord to do. In our case, it's chasing Him. It's letting Him find us, or letting us find Him and chasing the fire of God. Now, in their case, and I believe in ours, what they prayed, they prayed one thing. Now, to me, it didn't seem like it was connected to Peter, uh, to John and, and to Peter. They just got out of prison. You know what? They didn't... They were out of prison. They had, the angel had released them. There, there wasn't a need for them. But what they prayed, they said, Lord, that we may speak your word with boldness. So you got to make the right request. So instead of dancing around the maypole and praying the prayer that lasts forever, I, I, I told you a story about my, my brother-in-law. I don't remember where it was it. Someone had asked him to pray, and he was a brand-new believer. He's a pastor, by the way, now. He, he learned better. But, uh, they asked him to bless the food. Well, you know, he was a young, vibrant, brand-new believer, spirit-filled believer. He prayed. I think the man prayed for 10 minutes over that food. He prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. He prayed for the missionaries. He prayed for the church. He prayed for mom and daddy and everybody else. The man prayed for everything. And there was a pastor that he said, he, he, he said uh, don't pray for the missionaries. We just want you to bless the food. In other words, well, there was one thing. Just, this is just one thing he asked him to do, and that was pray for the food. And finally, after all that lengthy prayer, and he said, Lord, bless this food. Amen. Well, by then, you know, everything was cold. And then we have to go and reheat it. It makes you want to pray again. Do you see what I'm saying? So you've got to be specific. Now, I, now I'm going to be hard on some of you ladies. Some of you ladies, you know, you can't pray unless you tell a story. Because everything you do is in story form. Now, for a man, that's very frustrating. Because if you're going to talk to us, get to the point. Tell us what the one thing is that you're talking about. My, I just thought, of, I don't remember what it was. We were, my wife and I finally had a little time together yesterday, and we went up the mountains for a little bit. And we were talking about something, and, and I, I was looking, I didn't say anything. I was looking for a yes or no answer. <laughs> I know, I'm being very careful. <laughs> I was looking for a yes or no answer. But, but the answer didn't come a yes or no, it came in a story. So the story started, and the story moved on, and on, and on, and on, and on, and I, I somehow I brought it back in. I said, "And what about this?" And then she told me, "See, that's the way. That's the that's just the difference in people." So my point is, is that when you're praying, don't pray the story, pray the point. 
Now, I know that's going to break some. Now, if you have issues with that, just pray in tongues. That, that'll solve the whole thing, okay? But do uh, you follow what I'm saying? So they, they ask specifically for boldness. And that's what we need to be ask for, asking for. In fact, in, in that same chapter, in chapter 4, verse 13 of, of Acts, it says the members of the, members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. See, that's where you get your boldness. We get boldness, we get the confidence, we get the fire of God when we've been in the presence of Jesus. So whatever that looks like to you, that's where you need to go to get into the presence of Jesus. When you get into the presence of Jesus and get in there and stay in there, that's where the fire of God is. Unfortunately, so many other things bump it out. Like the daily routines of life. You don't know what I'm talking about. But anyway, so timing, yieldedness, direct request. And lastly, and we know this, but we sometimes forget it, we have to ask in faith in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I says it right here. Through the, in verse, in verse 30, through they're asking, they said, Lord, extend your hand to heal. Signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. You know, sometimes people just throw on the name Jesus as a little seal or stamp, trying to get God's approval on their requests. We've all done that. But when this whole story started, when the fellow was healed at the gate going into the temple, Peter said there, he said, let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by, he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus. Now notice he didn't say that, even though he did, he didn't say, well, Jesus healed him, which he did do. Jesus healed him. But what Peter says, no, he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus. And so we've got to move beyond just using his name as a rationale to get quote approval and actually believe that when you pray for something or someone or yourself that you pray that, in the, that your faith is attached to the name of Jesus. You know, just saying his name is not always enough. You've got to place your faith and say, no, it's his name. Now, don't ask me to explain this because his name and who he is are the same. We know that. But the point here is that, that they prayed in faith using and expressing the name of Jesus. Are you with me? That's one of the reasons most people, when they pray, they'll either forward it or post-state it as the name of Jesus. In other words, they put their, uh, uh, their seal, they put the seal of the name of Jesus on the end of it. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but is there faith in his name? 
See, this is where we have issues. Are we trying to put our faith in us? Are we putting our faith in a religious practice? Or are we saying, no, in the name of Jesus? My faith, see, Jesus isn't here. Jesus is in heaven with the Father. So he can't be here. So he said, in my name. When you put your faith in my name, it's like I'm, already, I'm there. So what you're doing when you put your faith in the name of Jesus, you're opening heaven to the earth. And we've now given him permission to do what he does best, and that's the signs, the wonders, and the miracles. Does this make any sense to you? We, this, is, this, is, this is something the Lord has just been ministering to me. And because, you see, I, ha, I had my own personal issues, just like maybe you do too sometimes. I would just throw out the name of Jesus. No, it's faith, very clearly. It's faith. In fact, in Acts 3, chapter 3, verse 16, it says, On the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus that has strengthened this man. Let's read that again. I want just let this sink. Now remember, what I'm trying to get us to is that Jesus is in heaven. So where you know, and we can put our and we should put our faith in Jesus in heaven, but He's already paid the price. He's already up there. He's, the Bible says He's finished His work, so He's done what He's going to do. On the basis. Didn't say on the basis of Jesus, my faith in. Didn't say in the basis of the faith of Jesus. Does it? Doesn't say that. Doesn't say in the basis of the faith in Jesus. It says in the basis of the faith in his name. Now, why am I telling, telling us this? Because if we just have enough faith, when we pray on the basis of faith in His name alone. Signs and wonders will take place. So if your faith doesn't seem like it's super abundant, like way out there, like, yeah, I'm really, because you know, we love Jesus, but we can't see Him. We love Him, but we can't touch Him. But he said, I'm leaving you my name. And until I come back, that's going to be more than enough. So I believe it's okay for us as believers to put our faith, when we're praying for ourselves or someone else, that we put our faith in his name. Are you, in other words, he's bringing it to a level that we can attach our faith to. It's harder to believe by faith in Jesus in heaven than it, is, it, than it is to believe in his name. Boy, y'all, I, I can see the gears turning here. Because, because what we'll do 
is that we will disregard the possibility of this answer coming because we sense inside of us that my faith isn't quite reaching him in heaven. He's not asking us to get our faith to reach into heaven. He's saying, no, just put your faith in my name. So when you're praying for someone and you don't feel an ounce of faith and Jesus seems bazillions of universe, universes away, unreachable and untouchable, and come on now, we all feel this sometimes, don't we? When you don't have that level of faith, you can have this level of faith say, no, the Bible says, if I would put my faith in his name. It'll happen. So when you're praying for sick out at Walmart, or you go into the convenience store and you're casting out a demon, for somebody, whatever it might be, I'm just making stuff up. If you and you and and but you're hesitant because you don't think your faith is at that level yet at this moment. Like you know, let's face it, my friends, we live in a real world and we can't be on the mountaintop every second of every day. We have to live in the flesh, and so maybe we don't feel like our spirituality is at a level where we have enough faith to reach into heaven to touch the hem of Jesus in heaven. I can still use his name here in the earth. So if I can't get to him that way, in that manner, I can use his name and say, in the name of Jesus. You can count on it happening. Now, I know I'm messing some people's theology up. But we all need our theologies messed up, don't we? If you'll just believe in his name. Based on... On the faith, on faith in, let's read it again. And then based on the faith in his name, the name of Jesus, which has strengthened this man. Do you get, do you see that it's connected but disconnected? Are you with me? That's how God does things in the earth and he gets us on fire. So having said all that, I'm, I'm wrapping this thing up. I really am going to land a plane. What was the effects of this whole thing? When the prayer is right, the timing is right, the request is right, when the faith is in the name of Jesus is right, what happens? And it says, and they prayed. And the place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. So the effects of this type of sacrificial giving of ourselves, the effects of getting the fire of God into our lives, number, number one is that it brings, it brings a confidence to each one of us that when we, we go out of here, we can carry out a message that will change someone else's life. There will be healings. There will be miracles.
miracles. There will be wonders when we get to this level of the fire of God because when you get on fire for God, you, it's almost like you can't help yourself. It's, it, it, it's amazing when the Spirit of God moves in a person's life in such a powerful way how the Holy Spirit has this ability to draw people to us who have a need. And this is where we have our deepest issues because, see, we don't pray for people. We don't see signs and wonders. We don't see the miracles because we, don't hang or we, don't, we aren't around people who have the need. If all your family's saved and you're saved, and, you, and, and your life and social life is around all of your saved friends, there'll be some things that happen. But if you're my friends, if you're going to expect the signs and the wonders and the miracles to take place through you, you and I have got to be around the need. Because you see, it is need, humanity's need is what extracts the anointing of God out of the believer. It's like a sponge. When there's a need, what's inside of us gets pulled out. And so we need to place ourselves where we can be around other people. Uh, as you know, I'm building, uh, downsizing our house, and, and I was talking to one of my suburbs, and I was talking to him about another suburb, about a price and so on. And, uh, he, and, the, and the one suburb, who's a Christian, he said, well, you know, this boy, uh, he's pretty rough. And he'd give me a price, and I was going to go with him. He said, he's pretty rough. Uh, he's... Uh, you know, he was just telling me that, you know, he just wasn't, he was just a rough, good old boy that, you know, and, you know, I told him, I said, you know what? I said, that's why we're here. I'm here, I'm in touch with that man because he needs Jesus like everyone else. And it doesn't matter how, how rough he is. Because there's an opportunity to share the gospel with that rough old boy. That's why we're here. We're to be, and I told him, I said, I, said, I said, James, I said, we're here to be salt and light. We're supposed to be around people like this. We don't need to be hanging around all the sanctified all the time. Listen, now I'm not saying go under the bar and, 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 and belly up to the bar and, and smoke a tote and tote a smoke and do all that other stuff. But what I'm saying is you've got to be around the people who need Jesus more than we do. And don't be afraid of them. What they have is not contagious. You've got an anointing on you. If you'll walk in that anointing, the fire of God, where that stuff comes, it's just like it rolls like, it's water off like water on a duck's back. It'll roll right off of you when your heart is right. So hang on, get around those people. And be light and salt. That's where the extraction takes place. That's where, see, that's when we know the fire of God is around. Because the, when we get fired up, God's going to bring these people into our lives and then their lives are going to be impacted. That's what we want. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So in this case, they spoke with boldness, signs and wonders took place, and then it says the whole place, the whole place where, where they were praying was shaken because of the saturation of the Holy Spirit's presence. When was the last time we as a church had a shaking moment? When was the last time when the Holy Spirit moved in such a... He does move here, I'm not denying that. But when was the last time that, that, that it, it left us shaking and quaking? Do you know how the Quakers got their name? I guess you can figure it out. 
You remember the old Methodists from the eight, from the eight, late 1800s? They, they, would, they would literally go, this is Methodist, go out in the spirit on camp days and they'd be, they'd be slain in the spirit for days at a time praying in tongues. They'd carry them away from the conventions and wagons, take them home miles and miles away because, because there was a shaking that took place. Church, you can say that, well, the Methodists are all washed up, but you know what? I believe God wants to move in the Methodist church too. Just like he did then, he'll do it again. He'll do it here, he'll do it again. I want to be shaken. I want a shaking going on in here, don't you? I want the fire of God on me. I want to walk out of this place with an anointing that I've never had before. Now think about this. How I'm closing, I'm closing. How did the church start? The Bible says when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Here it comes. And there appeared to them tongues of fire distributing themselves and they rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance so you see the church started with fire I believe the church needs to start today with some fire anybody in here want the fire of God we've got to chase the fire of God we just can't quote believe, I'm going to believe it's going to happen no we've got to go after God We've got to have our sacrifice. We've got to be the sacrifice. I believe the timing is right. Is there anybody in here like me that just is hungry for the fire of God, wants more of God than ever before? Anybody in here want to be used like you've never been used before? This is the time and the place. I believe the Lord wants to do something spectacular right here this morning. And you say, well, I don't, I don't know if I have enough faith. Do you have faith in the name of Jesus? You don't have to be able to touch him. You don't have to be able to see him face to face. You've got his name. Now let that sink in. Let that because I believe that's what the Holy Spirit's been saying. It's it's the name. Thank you for listening to the Resurrection Church podcast. We hope you are encouraged and ready to win souls for Christ. For more information or to plan your visit, go to rc-hickory.org.